today on CityCast Salt Lake. Utah's abortion laws are in flux right now. There is a lot to keep up with. Thankfully, my friend, former county council member and community health advocate, Shireen Gorbani, is here to help make sense of where things stand at this very moment and what we should be watching for. It's Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Hey, Shireen. Oh, hey. How you doing? Was that rude of me to ask? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so okay. no, it is not. No, it's not. But I, th- I mean, we do know each other, and I think we... Yeah are both not okay, but fundamentally, right, right, in the grand scheme of things, I'm a person with immense privilege. And I, because we live in a, a patchwork of states now where, um, I mean, for example, when this ruling came down, I was in Boston, where I had bodily autonomy. And then on Sunday night, I got on a plane to a state where I don't. Right. And for me, those consequences, frankly, are pretty marginal. But in the grand scheme of things, this is a very, um, I like the words escape me in terms of what this means for people who are able to reproduce in this state and the control they will have over that, or frankly, the, the control they do not have. Um, for the foreseeable future, though, we do have some news on that today. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you and I... How are you? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing that I'm thinking about a lot is like um, making sure that we are swift in getting people information and that we're responding with urgency because I think this is an urgent moment and also acknowledging that like these are lifelong battles. Like the organizers that have been working on reproductive justice have been doing it for some of the organizations decades, some of the people decades, right? Um, And so managing energy is really important. And if we burn hot and fast, this, the fight for reproductive freedom in this country is not going anywhere. The fight for freedom in this country, full stop, is not going anywhere. It hasn't been anywhere. And so we have to manage our energy so that in six months we can still get up to bat Um, because this is not like a, this is not a week long problem, right? Like we're looking at decades of, of a fundamental shift in just American culture. And so I don't know, I'm trying to like manage my energy, right? And my rage and not just like burn out. Yeah, that's right. And I do keep thinking it's important that we reiterate over and over again, this is creating two Americas in the sense that we have states that had trigger laws that immediately went into place, others that are in the process of doing that. Um, States where uh, right to abortion is protected, right? So right next door. So this is total chaos across state lines. Um, But, and I know I said this, but it's so important for people to understand Half the people who seek abortions in this country are already parents. Mm-hmm. I think about this through the lens of my own mother who raised me by herself. I know that that's something that resonates with you too. Yeah. I, we struggled to keep a roof over our house, gas in the car, food on the table. These are the real 
crises that are facing American families already. Add this on top. Now add that people with resources, credit, um, identification, right, um, right, are able to access abortion, and people without means and without su- support systems will not. And that is fundamental. Like to think about what that means in the land of the free is devastating to me. Well, one of the things that we want to do right now is just talk about where we are right now in Utah. What is and is not legal as of this moment and probably the next few days, potentially the next 14 in this state and some things that everyone should be keeping in mind right now. And then a couple calls to action, like what we can do, how we can get involved um, and how to be deliberate in this time. Because again, it's chaos and it's important that we're all incredibly deliberate. Do you want to start with what just happened? Right. So yeah, we get on this call and then we're basically on the phone immediately because what just happened is that Planned Parenthood of Utah and the ACLU of Utah filed a joint lawsuit against the state asking for a temporary restraining order on Utah's trigger law, Utah's all-out abortion ban. And a judge has honored a temporary restraining order, not a complete injunction of the law, but a 14-day restraining order of the law under the premise that exactly what we've said, like this immediate drastic change in the legal standing of abortion in Utah is creating danger and chaos for patients. And that was the case that Planned Parenthood made. Their lawyer said that, specifically said that Planned Parenthood is one of two abortion providers in Utah. Since the trigger law, over two dozen patients have been turned away and 28 others are waiting for care right now. So the judge heard that and said, that is enough reason to say, everybody hold up. So for the next 14 days, today we're recording this Monday afternoon, for the next 14 days, elective abortions in Utah are legal. That is important information. I don't want to overly confuse people. And also we're living in chaos. So I don't know, try to keep up. And here we go. So what our trigger law that went into effect on Friday that is now on hold, basically for the next 14 days, does, according to abortion providers, basically eliminates the, I mean, the vast majority of abortions. What it does not ban is if it's necessary to avert the death um, or if there's a serious risk of substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function uh, of the pregnant woman. Okay, so that is in our exception. Um, My understanding is that mental health is not considered a valid portion of that. Okay. Um, Number two, two physicians who practice maternal fetal medicine concur that the fetus has a defect that is uniformly diagnosable and uniformly lethal or has a severe brain abnormality that is uniformly diagnosable. Um, I've I've heard people, uh, professionals say that while that may sound, I mean, to somebody like you know, your average person, like that makes a lot of sense. It's actually quite, quite difficult to navigate that in, in a medical setting. And the law, um, it uh, basically 
excludes Down syndrome, spina bifida, cerebral palsy, or any condition that does not cause an individual to live in a mentally vegetative state. So that's an exception as well. Again, two physicians have to concur. And unfortunately, sometimes when um, pregnancies are going sideways, uh, things are happening quickly. So how this is all coordinated is a question for another day. Then the third, and I think this is the particularly, um, I find this one to be particularly uh, barbaric. The pregnancy was caused by rape or incest. Before performing an abortion, the physician will have to verify the rape or incest has been reported to law enforcement or the proper authorities. And, you know, we can think of all sorts of reasons why people do not report rape or incest. Um, We could think about our undocumented friends and neighbors who, you know, certainly may not want to intersect with the law in that way. All kinds of reasons that people may not want to have that paper trail um, associated. And also the fact that we know that I, before this, most people didn't report anyway, right? Um, because very few people see justice in our criminal legal system when they are victims of sexual violence. Right. It's less than. It's actually less than twelve percent of cases in Utah, specifically. So yeah. So anyway, that's the context. Now, again, remember when we're recording this, which is Monday afternoon, June twenty seventh. This is on hold, right? So we're back to the status quo, which means that people are able to access abortion care in Utah for 14 days. And the the reason for that 14 days is that the judge basically ascertains that within that time period, they will hold a separate hearing whereby Planned Parenthood and the ACLU and the state of Utah will argue merit. So in this initial hearing that we just had, they didn't talk about the merit of the law. They didn't really get into the specifics. All that Planned Parenthood needed to do was make a case enough that there would be irreversible damage and that it was basically creating chaos for people's health. Um, We should expect a hearing within the next 14 days on the merits of the law. There is one other thing that could disrupt this plan, which is at any moment, the attorney general in the state of Utah could decide to appeal this temporary overturning of the ban to the Utah State Supreme Court and get them involved, which if they land on a different ruling than the judge that ruled today, well, then our temporary restraining order goes away. It seems unlikely. I mean, when you're talking about Attorney General Sean Reyes, like he sometimes can be quite unpredictable, but it does seem that it would be almost in the best interest of the state to just let this process play out. And based on what we're hearing right now from Brad Wilson, who's the Speaker of the House and one of the most powerful senior members of state elected leadership, he said that he his quote is, we will watch as the judicial process plays out as it's designed to. So that sort of indicates that perhaps there won't be a lawsuit and they will let this 14-day ban ride out. Yeah. So do you think it would be helpful if I describe kind of what the lawsuit from Planned Parenthood is saying? Yes. Okay. So, so what it says is that the trigger law violates Utah's constitution. So what we've seen what happened on Friday was the overturning of a federal law, right? Basically saying uh, that a right to uh, 
reproductive freedom is not enshrined in the Constitution of the United States. But in Utah's Constitution, we have some pretty interesting things to to find in law, including these seven things. Um, The right to determine family composition and to parent. Mm -hmm. The right of equal protection. The right to the uniform operation of laws. I find this one interesting. The right to bodily integrity is something that we have. Well, for this moment, <laughs> um, as Utahns, curious how, you know, like what this looks like in the uh, in the light of the um, of the trigger law. But yeah. Okay. So bodily integrity. We have the right of consciousness, mm-hmm. the right to privacy, and the prohibition of involuntary servitude. And really what they're saying is that if this on that one particular in particular um if the state is implementing this trigger trigger law and banning in effect nearly every um abortion then um people are being forced against their will to remain pregnant so this is a forced pregnancy state and that seems to me like it does violate certainly the sense of bodily integrity, uh, the right to privacy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the right to determine family composition. And it's so interesting that we have those in our laws. And I wonder, you know, what Speaker Wilson would say, like, so those apply only to some people. So it, so if you have the ability to reproduce, you, you're not covered by these laws. Like, I'm so curious what the state's going to say. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Yeah. Yeah. And if you lived in Utah in 2020 and you're a registered voter, there is a chance you voted to remove language from the Constitution that allowed the use of slavery and involuntary servitude as criminal punishments. That is a recent update to our state's Constitution. It was a ballot amendment, Amendment C, that we all voted for in 2020. And it passed with more than 80 percent, like it was a popular decision, a popular vote. And you have recent guest, Representative Sandra Hollins, and many other people who work to support, but um, you can thank uh, Representative Hollins for that work. So in summary, like where we are right now is both extremely chaotic and also a little bit clear, which is we have returned to the status quo. If you need an abortion and you would have been eligible for one a week ago, you are very likely eligible for one right now as you're listening to this show and you should pursue the care that you need. Yeah. Call Planned Parenthood. 
Call Planned Parenthood. And by the way, I, I did call Planned Parenthood today because I, yeah, I had some questions about what their, what, what the situation looks like for other forms of reproductive health care right now. And what the Planned Parenthood over here on 9th South told me when I talked to them today was if you are in need of birth control, you can show up at their office. It just has to be, it can be any time before one hour before closing. They will write you a prescription for the pill for one year. You do not need to make an appointment. You can just show up. Similarly, if you are in need of a pregnancy test or emergency contraceptive, something like plan B, what we call plan B, you can also show up at Planned Parenthood without an appointment. It just has to be one hour before they close and they can give you those two things over the counter, as well as an HIV test. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think this is important too, because so just so we're clear, we live in a a state really without comprehensive or very much access to sex education at all. And I do think that people uh, conflate in their minds abortion provider, Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is still open and it is a place where I and many other people regularly access healthcare, um, including access to to, um, birth control where I got it for years, right? So I think it's important for people to understand Planned Parenthood is still available. If you are somebody with a uterus who knows that you are not interested in getting pregnant, I highly suggest, you know, thinking about and again, we know this doesn't work for everybody, but thinking about um, the long, the long acting kind of, uh, you know, options. So I have an IUD, I think, um, you know, other people can <laughs> tell you the, the benefits and drawbacks of something like that. But I can tell you that for me, it's I knew I didn't want to have another kid, I have my I have my little guy, and I'm good to go. Um, and actually, pretty quickly, I'm going to get another one. And then hopefully, I'll be in menopause. So um, <laughs> that is like a real situation. And if Again, if you know that in the next five years, this is really not five to seven years, this is not something that you want to do, that's an option that's on the table. And there are um, subsidized subsidized ways to access that care because it can be expensive if you don't have health insurance. Yeah. And I had an IUD for years, but it became not the right choice for me recently. And now I have Nexplanon, which is like this tiny little matchstick in my arm. And it's also five. Now they're saying six years of birth control. And I've found it to work out better for me. So find what works for you. <laughs> find what works for you. And then also for the for the listeners who, you know, are coming at us with some other reproductive parts, um, vasectomies are certainly on the table. And if that's something that you're interested in, again, if you know that you're done um, having kids, you've had the kids that you want to have, or you know that that's just not something that you want in the cards, you should talk to your healthcare provider about that as well. Um, I certainly appreciate all of the people who are, you know, being more open about their vasectomies. And, and I also have to say too, that like, I think for uh, the situation that we're in in Utah, I would just um, caution people. And I know that you are having some of these feelings too, Allie, like um, the only thing that we can really control is ourselves, right? Right. So, um, you know, maybe, you know, trust but verify or like trust but back up when it comes to somebody telling you that they've had a vasectomy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to believe someone when, I mean, you know, trust is an issue. Well, and when the consequences are so dire for us. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I think the other thing to be really clear about is like, of course, you and I are not saying you should, that everyone should go get an abortion or go get an IUD or go get an Nexplanon or go get a vasectomy. Like we're having this conversation because it's important that we name these things 
It's important that we talk about them, that we're open about them, that we ask each other questions. Um, that is an important part of helping people get care. Like that is just a communications campaign, right? And yeah. so don't get a vasectomy if it's not right for you. But yeah, and like you want to have babies nonstop and that's the right decision for you and your family, it. here for it. Send totally it. into it. Yep. Um I will I will say like the the thing that I used to say all the time when I taught gender and communication was if it, we kind of have a couple of options, right? Like we can get comfortable talking about sex and sex education and kind of all of the things around reproductive health, or we can have consequences that we don't want and bad sex for the rest of our lives. So why don't we start having the conversation, destigmatize this and understand that there are still lots of ways that you can have control over your body, even in this dire circumstance where it feels like to me, certainly in some moments, like the world is ending. Yeah. Another thing that I think we should cover quickly is just... Um, some of the precautions, because at the same time that for so long, the conversation around abortion has been talk about your abortion, tell people like if you're comfortable, share, right? We are headed in the direction of a potentially a surveillance state, a punitive state. And that is shifting. Like we are shifting maybe into more secrecy and privacy around these decisions. Like if you had an abortion 20 years ago, talk about it. If you're going to have an abortion in the next few weeks, maybe really consider who you tell and who you talk to and be sure there are people that you trust. Yeah. So the Washington Post actually just put out a really helpful list of things for people to consider. Um, everything from the digital trail that you leave to uh, the platforms that you use to communicate on. Um, you know, there are, there are, people popping up online saying like, you can stay at my house. And um, there is an entire scam and exploit, exploitive, exploitive, exploitive. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, uh, ecosystem popping up around this that can be very dangerous for people. So I, I just caution people to really rely on the systems that are in place that have been here in our community for a very long time. Um, Planned Parenthood being kind of first and foremost, um, your healthcare provider will give you the all the information they're legally able to, which is a shifting landscape a little bit right now. But um, have those communications with a trusted, close person that you know. And I recommend looking into uh, secure communications and you know uh, putting things in Signal or putting things in mm -hmm. to other places where. Um, it's encrypted end to end, which I, I know sounds wild, but um, just being very careful about um, how you're potentially exposing other people yeah, or yourself is critical in this moment. Yeah. There's also an organization called the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and they've already started putting together guides for abortion patients, abortion seekers, abortion providers. Like they're putting together a library of cybersecurity advice for people in those situations. And I think I am not a cybersecurity expert. The advice I would give you is go to the people who are and get good information because unfortunately, we have been given a lot of reason to believe that criminalizing, monitoring, tracking the behavior of patients is on the horizon. And that is a piece of this, a minority of people in this country's determination to ultimately, I mean, I would argue, 
criminalize pregnancy. Pregnancy, right. Right. And and I think more broadly, just be really careful about who you share your health information with, mm-hmm. um, just broadly. Uh, so I know that we're, like I said, we're in a little bit of an uncertain landscape, but there are a few things that people can and should do. Yep. And I know that we're seeing lots of businesses step up and, and try to, you know, get in here and help as well. So um, one of the things that, of course, supporting, given the news today, ACLU, Planned Parenthood, um, the Utah Abortion Fund uh, are all places that are reputable, that are trustworthy, where you can put your support. There are opportunities to volunteer with those organizations as well. Um, not, so, not so much with the Utah Abortion Fund right now, I don't think, but definitely with Planned Parenthood, definitely with the ACLU. What else would you tell people to do uh, in really concrete ways? I would say, so specifically with Planned Parenthood, to build on that, they are launching a canvas across the state, like good old-fashioned, knocking on doors, back to square one, rebuilding these conversations that we're having about abortion and about reproductive health care. Um, so they will train you and make sure that you have what you need to be successful on a two hour shift of door knocking. They'll send you out with a buddy. Um, hell you might even have fun doing it. (laughs) I'll say it. Uh, I like knocking doors. So they're looking for volunteers to do that. And that again, like this is long-term work. Like they're not saying you have to sign up to volunteer this weekend or you have to do it tomorrow. Their shift list on their website goes through the end of September. So this is like plan a couple shifts this summer, get out there and hit the pavement, um, everywhere from Ogden down to Sandy. So And then the other thing specific to the Utah Abortion Fund is unlike some of the more, I would say, I don't want to say they're less established because I think their infrastructure and their relationships are key and they are quite established, but they do not have a history of fundraising that other organizations in our state do. And so there is a lot of hype around supporting them right now. And it's incredible. Like you said, small businesses are donating proceeds. Like it's amazing. What they really need is to figure out how to secure grants to secure long-term funding. So you always say this, Shireen, like $5 a month, if you can, giving monthly to these organizations is so stabilizing to their programs. As a former development director, nothing I've ever loved more than a monthly donation. Um, And then they are looking for experienced grant writers. So if you're an experienced grant writer or you're just an incredible storyteller, like they are looking for people who can make a bit of a significant commitment to helping them pursue big numbers, long-term funding. That's what they're going to need to stabilize their programs. I always, of course, I feel like now we have to say uh, abortionfinder.org is where you can access information about where you can um, receive abortion care. And I I don't, I should have, like, I don't know if it's responding as quickly as the news is changing here in Utah, Yeah, but it is a reputable source and it's a place that my understanding is they aggregate, aggregate the information quickly and efficiently. So it's a good resource in terms of if you're a person who's seeking care or knows someone who's seeking care, direct them to abortionfinder.org. Yeah. The last thing I would say, Shireen, is like, I don't know, you and I are both people who've spent a lot of time encouraging people to vote and get engaged with candidates. <laughs> and when this show publishes Tuesday, uh, June 28th, it's primary election day in Utah. You can vote today. You can register to vote today and vote and get a provisional ballot. Um, I personally am feeling extremely disillusioned by some of the people I've voted for um, and, and the process in general. But I also acknowledge that vote and like 
keep doing it and do all the other stuff too. Um, but I do think this is a really good time to turn to our local electeds, our councils, our attorney general, our, or sorry, our district attorneys, our mayors, our city mayor, county mayor, like all of these local offices and ask them to make a plan, like find out what their plan is, ask for a plan and ask them to get creative and ask them to consider what they can be doing because there's it, there is just always something, right? Whether that's just making communication available on all of their platforms, like ask them what their plan is, wrangle it. Yeah. And I will say uh, as a person who got yelled at on Twitter, not all the time, but sometimes mm-hmm. that is not actually holding people accountable. However much you think it is, it just isn't. Um, not enough people in our city are on those platforms and it just isn't, it's not an effective tool. Build relationships Sometimes it feels good. I mean, I've certainly yelled at a few people on Twitter, but <laughs> I try not to do it anymore because it is so much more meaningful to advance the conversation with concrete steps and actions and to hold them accountable. Many of these individuals are very readily accessible. Um, I, you can call and ask for an, a meeting. You can uh, email them. And if they do not respond, you can call their office and ask to meet with these individuals and say, uh, you know, we know that there are lots of other uh, moderate or progressive cities in red states that are taking swift action. Are we, what are we considering? What are we doing? And I know that this is unpopular, but I think we should be demanding of the individuals who passed these trigger laws and highly restricted. I mean, the body that stood there and told us that the group of legislators where we had Representative Lizenby tell us that women can control uh, when semen enters their body is like wild. And also, okay, now you have gotten the thing that you went after. Can we have... Can we have health care for every child in this state? Can we have a well-funded and well-supported education system where teachers aren't, you know, like leaving in droves because of how difficult it is or how unsupported they feel in this really hostile environment for educators? Can we deal with the child care crisis that we have? Can we deal with affordable housing? Are we going to show up? And and the truth is, we probably, I don't think that we should expect that. But I do think we should demand it. Representative Lizenby, like I, Emily Means tweeted, KUR reporter Emily Means tweeted, you know, I have a really expressive face and I have to wonder what my face looked like when she said that. (laughs) I mean, that is like, that was wild. That was a wild thing to say. As a person who's worked in rape crisis advocacy work for over a decade, um, it fundamentally misses lots of horrific experiences that people have in this state. Yeah. 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 To say it's deeply out of touch is an understatement. Okay. Well, this is a bit of a plan. Hey, and you know what? I got another one. I know this is asking a lot because I've done it. But if you're out there thinking, I want to be at the table, you should run for office. You should. It was an absolute honor to serve this community. It was a joy to knock on doors, to talk to people across all walks of life. Um... There's a lot of good work to be done, and we need good people to do it.
So yes, vote. <sighs> Think about getting involved. Understand we're going to have to take all paths to work together to create a true freedom in this state and a society that really cares for, for those who are um, struggling. <laughs> yeah. And I think also one last just like thought on that is I, I know there is a desire to get involved and to do something and to show leadership in this moment. I think it's also really important to remember that the people who have been doing this work are still doing this work and what they need is the investment of our community. They don't need you to create a separate resource. So you do not need to build a separate abortion provider network. You do not need to like show up for the existing infrastructure, invest in it, and we will be more collectively successful than if we all try and build our own. Yeah. And and, I, and on that note, you know, sometimes when um, for example, the action that was planned by by Planned Parenthood or really led by Planned Parenthood on Friday had an RSVP link. The reason that they do that is so that you can continue to be engaged in upcoming actions, uh, opportunities to volunteer, hopefully get involved in support. And so even though you probably don't want one more email, if you want to be informed about what's happening, that is a critical source. Same with the ACLU um, in our community. Sign up for their newsletters, RSVP when they are holding actions. That uh, Yes, they get your information, but then you get theirs. And I can tell you I'm exhausted by trying to just keep up with what's happening and put it out there. But you can find it on my social media for now until my full head explodes. And then I will not be doing it anymore. That seems fair. <laughs> All right, Shireen, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Take care. Everyone, stay in the fight. Rest when you need to. Yeah, absolutely. No newscast today because that was a long one. And frankly, no other story has my attention right now. But if you want a full rundown every day, then our newsletter is a good place for your doom scrolly mind. Just kidding. There's actually quite a bit of joy in the daily newsletter. We'll give you the key points and keys to some of our city's most curious locks. You can subscribe at saltlake.citycast.fm. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around this city. Bye. Bye.